0: When you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and this week I have two special guests. From the podcast Fabulously Keto, all the way from the UK, Jackie Fletcher, and from even further away, Louise Reynolds who's an Australian living in Bangkok, Thailand, who both talk about their experience with changing their diet to a more low-carb or ketogenic diet and adding in intermittent fasting. But just before our chat, I'd like to invite you over to my website to download your simple guide for getting more energy with less sugar. You can find that on aftersugarclub.com. Click on the tab simple guide. And if you want help with cravings, you can also download my five tips to help you. You can find those on the podcast page. Click on the podcast tab on aftersugarclub.com. And if you're ready and committed to ditch sugar for good, join us in the After Sugar Club. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button. Join the club. You can also come say hi on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar, as well as on my Instagram account at MyLifeAfterSugar. That's where I post pictures of what I eat and what I do, so that you can see that living an active, fun life is perfectly possible even when you don't eat sugar. So here's my chat with Jackie and Louise. So Louise and Jackie, I think this is the first time I've got two guests on my my podcast, and um, so welcome, Louise. Can we start with you? Can you tell me a little bit about you know what your life was like when you were still consuming sugar? Well,
1: thank you first of all for um, having us on the podcast. My life, um, you know. BS, before sugar, uh, was actually, I suppose, it was hard. You know, I was increasingly gaining weight after a very, or well, the ending of a very unhappy marriage. I suddenly well, became a single parent, well, at that time co-parenting a son with special needs. So a lot of my emotional pain was obviously resolved through food and you know i like to say dr phil would say louise you were having a party in your mouth so a lot of my emotions was being fueled by um by food and comfort comfort eating so i was eating a lot of carbohydrates Um, so as a busy single mom i was you know you know cooking dinner and while i was having dinner i was busy obviously from work and I was having those extra slices of toast Um, so before I knew it I was actually having maybe three or four pieces of toast so my son had um, ADHD so he was on medication for particularly this time when I was eating quite a lot and he was obviously having the appetite suppressing medication so he wouldn't eat his dinner I ate his dinner because I had valued, um, you know, food, not wasting food. I ended up being 134 kilos, and that's roughly just quite just shy of about 300 pounds. So life, you know, in those, those sugar days was principally around emotional eating and comfort eating because I was extremely unhappy being well stress managing stress you know single parenting I was also doing my PhD so I was a doctoral student working full-time in academia so I was just one big messy ball of stress
0: oh my gosh yes yeah I can relate to that (laughs) yeah so when was that tipping point for you when you realized something's got to change that
1: was in about 2012 so there's a there's a little bit of a chapter chapter two to this sort of story so um at that tipping point I actually consulted a um a colleague I was working at a local sort of college university and I found a psychologist who was a specialist in in uh food or eating disorders so I wouldn't say it was that I had a eating disordered but my eating was certainly disordered so disorderly eating so obviously it was stress you know there was binging's, but obviously it wasn't like I wasn't anorexic or bulimic but I wasn't binging that sort of stuff but obviously it was quite disordered because of the emotions at that time in 2012 um, I'd had been in therapy for about three years and I decided to have weight loss surgery so weight loss surgery I saw it as a tool because obviously I was one hundred and thirty four kilos, so I tried everything, you, had, you know, everything, the diets, the um, the punishing, you know, physical, you know, exercise. But I needed a an intervention. So after the weight loss surgery, I had a, um, a quite a severe motorcycle accident, and because of that, I sustained quite critical injuries. And part of the rehab that I was having. I, um, obviously was dealing with a lot of chronic pain and this then was, um, two years after the weight loss surgery. So I'd lost about 40 kilos. So, you know, lost a significant amount and sort of hadn't plateaued, but I was still not quite there. And it was my mom. My mom said to me, you know what? You should think about changing the way that you eat to help your pain. Hmm. How
0: does she make that
1: connection? Um, Unbeknownst to me, she was already low carb. She had that that secret down on the down low. She had already found the Real Meal Revolution. She had already found What's the Fat. She was already eating the high fat, low carb for quite a few months. And you know, I'd seen that she was looking a little bit trimmer, but I didn't. She didn't tell me because she thought I'd be crazy. What are you doing? Because you know, from fifteen. We had been doing this low-fat thing, you know. I remember her metering out the cottage cheese and the bis- the Rivita dry crackers. Oh, they're a hundred calories, Louise. What are you doing? So we'd been on this low-fat thing, you know, forever. So she sort of obviously I was dealing with chronic pain. So after these horrific injuries, and um, so that's um, that was in the our summer time of 2015. So since then, yeah. It's been quite a significant, obviously, adjustment and, and adjustment to the way, you know, I eat now. I then lost more weight, and but the, that, that was irrespective of the fact that I'm managing, obviously, the inflammation associated with my injuries, and that, for me, is is the biggest plus in my life.
0: I want to come back to when, when your mum told you this secret... <laughs> not a secret and credit to you for being open-minded enough to actually give it a try because I remember I resisted any sort of change that required me to stop eating chocolate (laughs) for the longest time but what was it that made you think hey you know what I'll give it a try
1: well it's interesting because first of all it's it's your mom and you do everything opposite to what your mom would say right yeah mum tells you you know don't do that and of course you're going to go do that 10 times so but she was sort of you know I think you know you're won over by the science the science makes sense and the fact that since growing up and you know with your mother being the role model of the dieting you know goddess and seeing her yo-yo diet and then she said this has worked for me this is This is the thing that is working for me. And then obviously the science stuff I just gravitated to because that's my logical brain. So she lent me the Real Meal Revolution book and um, the What's the Fats, which is obviously an Australian, New Zealand book that um, was very good as well. So it fitted us to to be doing that. Um, And I had by that stage also had moved in with my partner So we were, you know, uh, blending a family. We were a bit of the Brady Bunch. Um, You know, I was my partner. I was loving him through food and he had put on some weight as well. So he's in the military. So he was looking more like a teddy bear than Tom Cruise in Top Gun. So we needed to both lose some more pounds. So we did this together. And since that summer of, you know, 2015, and we're coming into our seventh year now, we've we've stuck to it so you know he lost um over 40 pounds so yeah just doing the math you know 40 pounds 20 kilos and um yeah i lost an extra 20 kilos another 40 pounds so um yeah
0: amazing and your
1: pain has your pain that being- absolutely so it's you know the chronic pain that comes from you know quite a significant um, injury that I sustained is obviously because of the inflammation and that's really what I'm managing I know when I go off plan and for me that is not necessarily sugar per se it's about the seed oils and it's that inflammation that comes from those crappy seed oils in food um, which is particularly a challenge where I live um, yeah, so that's that's yeah. that's the thing—the hidden, the hidden amount of that—and that sort of I get flare-ups from there.
0: Seed oils, being where you are, is that um, canola oil, soya, soy oil?
1: I think they use a blend of vegetable oils to deep fry and or to to wok fry. So in Asia, Southeast Asia, and um, a lot of the street food, which is delicious and cheap. Mm. so um, you know and flavorful but the wok seed or that they use to to blend and that sort of stuff and it's um yeah definitely those sorts of sun sunflower um yeah see the seed oils
0: right yeah oh my gosh okay and Jackie can I ask you we'll come back to you Louise but Jackie can I ask you to tell us your story about when you were still eating sugar
2: so, so I'm going to go back to childhood because I always felt like I was overweight. I was always a fat kid, always the one that was left out. And, um, and so now I look back, of course, and of course, I wasn't fat. I was just felt fat compared to others. And so that followed me. And by the time I was in my early teens, I was already at Weight Watchers, doing all sorts of diets, um, could only sustain them for a few weeks. And then I would come off of it. And of course, you'd come off for a while and you put it back on again. And then you. So it was that yo-yo dieting. By the time I got to my 20s, I was doing less dieting because. I just just couldn't sustain it really. So I did try the, we had here in the UK, something called the F plan that worked quite well, but I was living on brown bread and baked beans because you could eat that. So that's what I was eating. Mm.
0: Um,
2: And so it went on until I got to late twenties, early thirties. And I thought diets don't work. I don't know why I'm bothering. Um, By the time I was in my forties, I had stopped going to the doctor. I wasn't interested. I didn't care. You know, they. one doctor once tried to uh, take a cholesterol test. And I said, I don't want that. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm not going to change what I'm eating if it comes back with a high reading. And then I didn't go very often to the doctors. So I have no idea by the time I was in 2017. So I was early 50s. Um, I had no idea what my blood was doing, how I was health wise, but I was at my heaviest weight that I'd ever been. And I was 231 pounds, which is about 105 kilos. And I had no intention of going on a diet, but I was listening to a podcast and then picked up a book from that podcast, a recommendation, which was Gretchen Rubin's um, Mastering the Habits of Everyday Lives. Yeah. And in it, she mentions a book by Gary Taubs called Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It. Now, this is a person who diets don't work. What's the point? I'm not going to change what I'm eating. I was looking back. Was I depressed? I'm not sure. But I wasn't happy. I definitely wasn't happy. And um, I just thought I couldn't do it. I couldn't sustain any food changes. I was totally addicted to wheat. I knew wheat was addictive, uh, particularly bread. I had read wheat belly by that point um, a few years before. So I knew how addictive wheat was, but I was having sandwiches for lunch every day. I would go to bed and say, tomorrow is going to be different tomorrow. I'm going to exercise more and eat less. That's what I'm going to do. That's what, how to do it. Okay, so the next day I'd get up and I was back to my usual self. And so I wouldn't do it. So, of course, I felt like a failure because it doesn't work. I couldn't do it. And it was me. Of course, it was me. I couldn't do it. So um, that's where I was in 2017. And then I listened to that Gary Taubs on Audible. And that just changed my life. I think it helped that my friend was a nurse and she was doing low carb at the time and she reassured me that it is safe and you could do it and it's okay to do. I think actually looking back, I had tried low carb the year before in 2016 and I did it for about three weeks and I spoke to a doctor and he goes, oh no, you must eat carbs. Well, that's all I needed was the excuse to go back to potatoes and bread. So I did. Um, so I put on a lot of weight in that year between 2016 and 2017. I was, a, it was a very stressful time for me. So I had a lot of stress going on. I wasn't sleeping very much. I probably averaged around four and a half to five hours sleep a night at that time. And and so it's not surprising now looking back that the weight was piling on rapidly very rapidly my fam, i knew my family were worried because i was probably a heart a heart attack waiting to happen but then i read the book and everything changed and i didn't even look any more into it i just cut out potatoes pasta wheat so along with the wheat went the bread and the biscuits and the cakes And I was still eating what I would now consider quite a high carb diet because I was eating lots of peas and lots of sweet corn. But about six months in, I decided, right, I need to look at this a bit more. And then I I found um, keto clarity and I read that and then more changes happened. And so I've been extremely low carb since then, basically, with with some intermittent fasting and some longer fasts.
0: And that you've been able to stick to.
2: Yes, I, I have phases where I come off of it for a bit. If I'm going on holiday, I might come off. But when I come back, I set I set a date in my mind and say, right, back from holiday, maybe not the first day, but second day back, back to it, and then I get back to it.
0: And do you feel like you're on a diet now?
2: Mm, yeah, it's an interesting question. No, it is the answer because it's just a way of eating. But there are times when other people are eating things in front of me that I would like to eat. And a good example of that is on Sunday, um, I was with my family and they were eating chocolate raisins, which I just love. And I didn't have any. And I sort of feel, oh, I'd love to have some, but I know I'll just eat the whole packet. So yeah. And then when I'm fasting, so on days that I'm fasting, I feel like, oh i want to eat not necessarily bad foods i just want to eat food so i find that sometimes a bit of a struggle
0: do you get do you get hungry when you're fasting
2: only at about an hour after lunchtime and about an hour after supper time um, sometimes in the morning for an hour but it passes and i know it'll pass i just have to get through that hour and i'll be fine
0: yeah okay and do you feel deprived
2: on food sometimes sometimes i do but that's just it's just a head hunger it's not real hunger it's just that action of eating of wanting to eat of wanting to go in the fridge and find something that's all it is but it's it's just an emotional want of food and it's not it's not real it's you don't need it and you can make do without it and and the benefits of not having it are huge so i just say right focus on the benefits and my current mantra is food does not control me i control food so i just go back to that
0: and yeah and then very often when we're looking for food or we open the fridge door what we're looking for is not actually food what do you reckon you're actually looking for can can you analyze that now
2: uh well, I I know that it's, it's probably some emotional event, but it's not always, it's not always an emotional event. But for me, it's quite a lot about habit. So the habit of having lunch, the habit of maybe having something in the afternoon, and I don't always and the habit of having supper and being with my family and having supper and, you know, joining within in with them.
0: Yeah. And Louise, I see you nodding as well. Is it similar for you?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I think we have those actual routines and habits. So a lot of our time is spent, oh, I love, I do love cooking. So I love the preparation that comes with cooking. Cooking is, you know, the food preparation and and the meal is a language of my love. So I will show you my love here, have my food. You know, this is what I've done. I've invested time and energy and thought and this is my gift, my, you know, my gift of love to you. So we, you know, obviously are socialised to to sit and share our day around food. You know, it's very cultural. Um, my mother's family is Dutch, so we have, you know, particular celebrations which have particular foods. So going to my grandmother's house would would have, you know, speculas and you know nice coffee, and we would have cake, and um, yeah. Christmas, New Year's, those sorts of things, loads of food. My father's family were Irish, so we would have these big roast turkeys, lashings of pudding for Christmas. It was absolutely, my grandmother was a wonderful cook. Food connects a lot with love. So on my fasting days, it's like, well, nobody loves me. Ah. Wow. But I do, I do love myself because I'm giving my digestion a break. I'm giving my blood sugars a break. You go, liver. You make glucose for me. You go. (laughs) You go, girlfriend. So this is the sorts of things that we have to do the flip. We have to think about things differently. So disassociating myself from those cultural nuances that comes with food and like the other night we were had our fasting fasting time so we went for a walk you know we walked the streets and it was quite balmy I got you know loads of steps it's like it frees up so much time when I don't have to prepare food and the best thing my kitchen looks immaculate I have shiny (laughs) benches that dish rack is clear and I've Thought about what I'm going to eat today as I break my fast, and to, tonight we had some delicious fried little drum wingettes, like wings, and um, a Greek salad. So, um, and a lovely little chocolate pudding. So one of those egg egg puddings that's just made out of egg and a bit of hundred um, percent chocolate, touch of sweetener. But it was, it's enough to sustain me now. So we will, Jackie and I uh, have a challenge, a 100-day challenge of alternate-day fasting. So I'm going to get my digestion a rest tomorrow and I'll look forward to eating again on Friday. So it's its an interesting, yeah, introducing fasting it was a real game changer um, in what we don't need to eat because well, Louise, you still have a lot of that reserve. You know, you've got that Krispy Kreme from ten years ago stacking on that thigh, girlfriend. <laughs> you might need to sort of tap into that a little bit more. So um, yeah.
0: yes, we do. We do sort of tend to get panicky um, about. Oh my gosh, I've got. If I don't eat every two or three or four hours, then what's going to happen to my metabolism? Uh, because we've been taught, I don't know, for you when you were growing up, we're about the same age-ish. You know, I was told in the 80s, you've got to eat all the time or your metabolism will go haywire. And we just believed that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about metabolism until I educated myself.
2: Yeah. I used to, I was never a great breakfast eater, so I would quite often miss breakfast. But if I then missed lunch, one was that emotional, I need to eat. But secondly, I would quite often get a migraine. I would feel shaky. I wouldn't feel well. So I was having obviously a blood sugar low at that time, but I didn't realize what was happening. And so I always ate and I always made sure I had food because if I can't eat, I'm going to get a headache. So I have to eat. But so and it's quite a revelation. Quite a revelation now that I actually don't have to eat.
0: And when you don't eat now, when you're in the fasted state, do you get headaches?
2: No, not at all. I feel great. I, I don't. I th- I think the thing that the part that stops me feeling absolutely fantastic is that mental state of I want to eat that keeps coming around. But actually, I feel no different if I fast. However long I fast, because I've done quite some quite long fasts, I feel no different to physically to how I am when I eat.
0: Mm, Yeah, isn't that amazing? And not amazing in and of itself. It's not biologically amazing. It's just human biology. But it's amazing compared to what we were told all through the 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: How about you,
1: Louise? How do you feel when you're in the fasted state, as it were? Well, in the fasted state, yeah, it's obviously I have, like Jackie, I have a little twinge of hunger, but that's that's fine. You know, I can ride through that and I can obviously push right through. So at the moment we're doing around about 36 to Forty hours, which is really great because obviously we're we're maxing out our fat burning, and even though I have lost close to one hundred thirty pounds, like sixty kilos, there's still a little bit of a few vanity pounds to go. So, um, really, I've been in maintenance now for for quite some time, but it's it's a superpower. It really is a superpower. So I have that mental clarity. There's no deficits in in um, energy. The uh, fasted exercise. So, the type of exercise I've been doing is lots of like resistance weight training just to maintain my lean muscle mass, particularly, you know, in terms of the rehab, um, as well as being a, I'm in my golden menopausal years now. So, mm-hmm. we're well, the start of my, my golden twilights um, right. years. So, I do need to be conscious of my, my lean muscle mass. So, uh, yoga is quite good i used to do bikram yoga so that's in the you know the hot yoga sort of sessions fasted so um yeah i don't have any any real issues i do am really enjoying this alternate day sort of thing because i can look forward to eating the next day that sort of stuff and i really think that this is going to be a great sort of you know pattern of fasting so um yeah no no real issues for me because i'm actually quite insulin sensitive so I don't know even though I was a morbidly obese woman, um, metabolically, you know I carried my fat not on in viscerally but obviously on quite a lot on the outside of my of my body. So um, metabolically I wasn't I mean obviously I was deranged because I was obese but I wasn't like type 2 or you know that sort of thing
0: yeah. other than being being fat yeah. really fat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We can say it as it is. Absolutely. And so can we can I ask you a little bit more specifically about sugar, sweeteners and those processed carbs like flour that I consider the processed carb. So kind of where is your comfort level with those types of products? I don't even grace them with the word food. (laughs) No.
1: Well, for me, um, what I'm eating now is no processed food I because I'm living in Bangkok, Thailand. So obviously Western foods, well, my type of Western foods, I'm doing a lot of from scratch. I feel like I'm a pioneer woman. Like I'm living on the homestead right now. So a lot of everything I'm pretty much making from scratch. So, so for me, it's no wheat, no grains, uh, no sugar. So that's the refined sugar. But um, bless me, Netta, for using, you know, the occasional um, sweetener because if I'm making something like a, a sweet treat, which is not all that often, I will use um, like a monk fruit or erythritol.
0: Yeah, you're, you are blessed. <laughs> you know, whatever makes you feel good, go for it. So, and Jackie, can I ask you where your sort of comfort level is?
2: Yes, yeah, so uh I mostly don't eat any processed grains or sugars. Well, the sugar bit, so at the last month, I have had no sugars, no sweeteners, and no caffeine. so I've done a month now, just over a month of none of those whatsoever. I normally will have some eighty five to ninety percent chocolate every so often. And I use, I will use sweeteners occasionally. So not that often. So sometimes we'll bake something rather than, yeah, I would never purchase a keto product per se. So it's always something that I've made. That said, I do have certain times of the year when I allow myself to have things that I probably shouldn't. So, uh, the ones being my son's birthday, my birthday, and Christmas. So, on those, on the two birthdays, I will have some birthday cake and that will be made with wheat and sugar. And at Christmas, I will have some Christmas pudding and a few mint chocolates and some chocolate raisins.
0: But and, what? And how does that make you feel? Do you feel guilty or do you feel happy
2: I feel happy for me that makes this way of living sustainable and you know not everybody some people so Louise is an abstainer she has to not have it I can moderate um, to an extent and and I always set in my head when I'm going to start back on it so at Christmas I come off the day before Christmas or two days before Christmas until the kids go back to school I don't know what I'll do next year when the kids are not at school anymore Uh, and that's, you know, I have that two weeks. It doesn't mean I go all out and eat everything that I want to eat, but it just means my lunch will still be as I normally have. My supper will probably still be as I normally have, but, um, I will have some roast potatoes on Christmas day. I will have my Christmas pudding on Christmas day and maybe for a few days after the Christmas pudding will be left over. So I'll have some, and like I said, a few chocolates, but I don't go all out. I do, I do tend to put on a few pounds over Christmas. And so part of me thinks, well, if I didn't do that, maybe I would be a lot less than I am now. But as I said, for me, that makes it sustainable and, yeah, sustainable.
0: Yeah, and it, fits, it fits you and makes you feel good, which is, for me, that's the bottom line. It's, it's not a question of how much or how little sugar you're eating. It's a question of how great you feel. You know, that's what counts. And yeah. probably that's why diets don't work because they make you feel like crap.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I, I think you have to find the way that makes it sustainable for you because it has to be a long-term way of eating. We, I cannot go back, and most of us cannot go back to the way we used to eat because we'll just end up back where we were, which is not only fat I'm I still consider myself fat so I've still got quite a lot of weight to lose but I couldn't kneel down and get up off the floor I couldn't there was loads of things I couldn't do I used to struggle to walk up the stairs so I can do that now I can run up the stairs I can sit down on the floor with my hands on my head and get up with my hands on my head I would never have done that four years ago so I think you you have to feel like you've made a change that makes you feel good in all different areas of life and we cannot go back we cannot go back to that way of living because we'll just go back to the way we were and probably worse
0: yeah and why would we go back to feeling unhealthy and to feeling that we can't do everything we want to do and to feeling fat and why would we go back
2: yeah why and I feel better now in my 50s than I did in my 20s
0: Join the club. Join the club, totally, yes. And, Louise, how did your weight loss surgery affect the, the way that you eat now? Did it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Obviously, the for the first couple of years I could no re- eat more than like a maybe a half, three-quarters of a cup on my plate. So a lot of the time I'm eating actually on a, you know, like on a, a side plate, so that sort of stuff. So it has stretched a little bit. But what it has done is really made me prioritise protein. So I have a real emphasis on protein, like fatty protein particularly, so making sure that I, I cover my requirements. So it's certainly by volume, you know, it was obviously a restriction for those, obviously, well, for the first the first couple of years. So now um, I, I know that I've still got a restriction, but it's not as as drastic as it was back in 2012. So because I'm coming up to, well, next year will be 10 years. So but there is obviously still a, a limitation. So but really by focusing on what i eat and then i'm feeling you know satiety with the with the fat that comes with the protein then i know that i'm you know nourishing nour- nourishing my body with even though i've got this built-in restriction so for me it's a tool it's just another tool in my kit about what i eat but it obviously gives me those sensory things about well you can only eat that much but i need to optimize what i eat to the nutrient density bestest that i can on my on my little plate
0: yeah makes total sense and do you both consider that you eat uh, keto or low carb or what i call food <laughs> with no labels well yeah
1: absolutely real food you know I, absolutely I'm, I'm all for you know not buying into into a discourse that's so much but it is obviously I'm, I'm eating you know real food particularly because i'm cooking every day um yeah no processed foods here so um yeah we don't even have you know amazon well we have a have an amazon but it's not like it's your amazon um yeah so i'm i'm definitely whole real food every day delicious sustainable
0: and that's yeah. what's available in bangkok where you're living right
1: absolutely like not more than say 400 meters you know five minutes down the down there I have the most delicious fresh it's a wet market so all the food is on open air so all the meat is open air (laughs) um you know takes a bit of a sensory assault but there's loads of greens and loads of fresh fresh food there every day so but coupled with that as I said you know there's loads of cooked food you know delicious cooked food but obviously for me um yeah it's just the the oils that it's cooked in so it's it's like as Jackie was saying about the difference between her being a, a moderator and me being an abstainer um if i do choose to eat street food of which you know don't get me wrong it's delicious and there is some great um yeah but inherently thai food is all all for flavor profiles it does have a sweet bitter sour um you know that sort of thing so there are there are cane um or palm sugars that they do cook in in curries and things like that so you know those sneaky sugars there that you just have to accept that it's all part of the deal and choose not you don't choose those things sources the soy sauces are full of sugar as well so um, yeah mm, so it's yeah. just I don't want to be in it living in a vacuum
0: as well you want to try the local mm. foods right yeah the grilled meats yeah. are um uh, fine so and how about you Jackie do you, do you kind of put a label on how you eat
2: I would say keto as well um that said I probably sometimes verge into very low carb because just through vegetables. So it's all real food, uh, no processed food, really. So sometimes I will have more vegetables than maybe would be okay for keto, but sometimes come out of ketosis. But I would say for the most part, I'm in ketosis.
0: Can you feel the difference when you're in ketosis and when you're not? Uh,
2: Not really. No, I don't think so. So last week we've been doing this hundred day challenge. So last week I measured every day Uh, before that, you know, I might do it a couple of times a month, every, just every so often, but sometimes I'll know that I'm not in because I've eaten something that maybe I shouldn't do. So I know that I, I will expect to come out of ketosis, but I might be out for a day, but then I'll be back in again.
1: I think that's, again, it's, it's one of those other superpowers that we have is that metabolic, you know, flexibility. And I think it really depends, like Jackie says, over Christmas. And I know how much her Christmas means to her because it's such a social event and it's just, you know, it's social, emotional, traditional and all that sort of stuff. It means, means quite a lot. Uh, for example, um, this was about uh, when in Rome, so when in Rome, my, my little loophole, and this is another Gretchen Rubin thing was about loopholes, was only trying croissants when you're in France or when I was travelling, when I was living in the UK and I'd have these city breaks and I was in Belgium. So, of course, i want to try a waffle. So you're only in Belgium this one time and I'm going to try a Belgian beer. Oh, Belgian chocolates, Belgian waffle. I was on this bender. And I absolutely lost the plot. I was obviously I had wheat, I had sugars, that the whole kit and caboodle. I was a mess. I was crying on the way. We're going back to catching the train back to back to um, back to London, and I'm sitting in the car in the hire car, and I'm turning to Andrew, my partner, I'm going, I don't know why I'm crying. You looked at me the wrong way. And it was horrible. It took me a full week to come come good, like, you know, to detox from this. Whatever it was that I had was the sugars, the wheat, the chocolate. Don't get me wrong. It was delicious. Would I have a Belgian waffle again if I was in, in Brussels? I don't know. Not for the emotional trauma that I put him through, you know. I don't know why I'm crying. Oh my God, I'm such a mess right now. it was the cops. It was the cops made me. We relate. (laughs) It was. It was. It was quite. I'm looking back on it now, and it's just like it felt horrible it felt terrible and would i do that to myself which i'm not saying you're not judging jackie you know in Christmas but that's that's i know how important it is and i had this loophole but i can't do that you know i need to be black or white i need those hard and fast rules because that's like my mother would say in for a penny in for a pound i would just I'm like a train wreck but also you you've got that
2: instant feedback where you don't feel good so that's great you know you've got your pain that you notice but you also obviously being a train wreck you you get that quite quickly but I don't I don't get that so I don't have that feedback so I, I'm okay to carry on I just have to make sure that bit, I don't
1: I'm a bit highly strung as you can see so I, I'm maybe a bit more in tune with with things a bit more sensitive Jackie is that what you're <laughs> saying <laughs> yes you're very a sensitive. highly
0: strung a highly strung train wreck
2: you're a sensitive soul
0: and and so both of you are friends and you know one is an abstainer one is a moderator and yet you manage to have a beautiful friendship (laughs) probably thanks to the fact that you're just different and accept and love your differences and you have a podcast together right yeah that's right can you tell us a bit about that
2: so it started off that quite a few years ago I thought I want to do a podcast I want to tell everybody about keto keto is so fabulous I want to tell everyone about it but I never did anything about it I just kept thinking the thoughts mostly because I didn't know where to start and what to do but then I met Louise and I told her my ideas of having a podcast and she did not let it go she kept saying every time I saw her she'd say when are you starting your podcast when are you starting your podcast so I had to make inroads to doing it and then uh, I'd, I'd started I'd done some of the interviews and then I said to Louise she was helping me in the background and and give me ideas and things to do so in the end I said Louise do you want to come on the podcast with me thinking she'd say no but she actually said yes and so here we are we had to go back to the beginning redo all the intros and outros and it it took us a few months to get off the ground wow from, from when she said yes oh you you were marking that was last year wasn't it louise you had loads yeah, of marking to
1: do marking marking to do the, so the to... bane of the as you know netta knows about the the teaching the amount of marking they had to sort of get through so yeah. but it, it's wonderful because i think like you say Jenny, you know, you know I bring I bring some lightness to to Jackie's darkness. Um, you know, it's yin and yang. Thanks. It's the it's it's the you know the Brit and the Aussie. You know, I'm just as I said, I'm the larrikin. I'm the I'm the comic side relief to to Jackie's you know seriousness and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I think it's it really does have that blend of. I think I want to be the panorama, hard asking questions, but I just I'm just the the goofy goofy sidekick.
0: Love it. Love it. What's the name of your podcast?
1: Fabulously Keto.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yes, I've been listening to it. Fantastic. So if people want to get in touch with you or to find you, they can go subscribe to Fabulously Keto, your podcast. Do you have anywhere else that they can reach you?
2: So on our website, we have a contact form. So fabulouslyketo.com. They can join us in our Facebook group, which is Fabulously Keto. Facebook is Fabulously Keto, uh, Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. And that's about it. Fantastic.
1: Twitter. We're also on Twitter. So we have um,
2: Fabulously Keto on Twitter
0: as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jackie and Louise. Thank you for talking to me. Fantastic. Thank you for inviting us. It's been great. Uh, This is one of the things I love about this podcast. Not only is it international, with all kinds of people from all over the world, with all kinds of accents, but it also goes to show that there is a huge diversity of how people cut sugar and sometimes flour and sweeteners. And that diversity is what life after sugar is all about. Because my aim is to empower you to find your sense of freedom from sugar and to feel good every day, without suffering from the diet mentality, without suffering from cravings, or health issues, or uncomfortable extra weight, so that you can stop struggling with cravings and mindless eating, and gain energy and confidence. Feeling good is at the heart of Life After Sugar, and Louise and Jackie's stories are a testament to that. And whether you're at the beginning of your life after sugar or well on your way, there'll always be a place for you in the After Sugar Club. Go to AfterSugarClub.com and click on the green button, Join the Club. And you can also join us in the Life After Sugar community. You're always welcome. Go to AfterSugarClub.com And if you're enjoying this podcast, And you enjoyed this episode, scroll down and rate this podcast and leave a review to let me know how this podcast is helping you in your life after sugar. And don't forget to subscribe so that new episodes will magically appear in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.